You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. We're grateful to have you with us. Did you know that you can listen to Real Presence Live in any of the daily programs you hear on Real Presence Radio via our app? Simply go to the App Store on your phone and search for Real Presence Radio. Once downloaded, Real Presence Radio is accessible anywhere you are at any time. So if you don't have the RPR app yet, go to your App Store now and download it as you listen to our next interview. Well, Father, here we are at Terra Sancta. Again. Again, yes. It's good, it's good to be here. You know, the, the, the thing that I love about being here is how kind the staff is. You know, when we had to do the transition from the Mass to here, how helpful they are and how, how generous. They really, they really have captured the, very, the real, real heart of, of hospitality here. They, have, they were here at 7 in the morning to help me set up. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and they, you know, they'll finish because we've got to go do this. They clean up after Mass and... It just everything is just there's a constant. Um, how can we serve you? Which is is really, yeah. it's it, it isn't easy to find that sometimes in our world today to have that kind of generosity and that you first kind of attitude. And so I, I've always, it's always great, good to be here. So yeah, that's great. Well, and I heard you had a birthday yesterday. So I, on I behalf did. of all of us who care, happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you. I had a, I had a great uh, birthday. It was really uh, um, it was wonderful. The people were very. Um, generous and sending responses and someone said you know are you going to party and I said you know at 67 birthdays kind of come and go and it's quiet and peaceful I used to party a lot um, but it's okay it's okay just to mark it and be grateful for another year of life and looking forward and so it was very peaceful and wonderful well you don't look a day over 55 (laughs) (laughs) well Karen you're kind (laughs) (laughs) I do my part but I've looked in the mirror okay (laughs) and I've seen the pictures (laughs) and you've seen the pictures okay that's fair well, it's good to have you all with us here on For Real Presence Radio this morning. Um, I'm Father Michael Malloy, and you, of course, just uh, met Karen Gibas, who brought us in for this particular segment. And we are joined today, right now, by Sister Susan Pohl from uh, St. Martin Monastery in Rapid City, South Dakota. Sister, are you there? I'm right here, and I just want to also say that you don't look a day over 37, so... Oh, <laughs> Sister, you are too kind. Too kind indeed. So well, you know, when you get as old as I am, everybody's just a youngster. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I, I I can appreciate that, and I and I would I would uh, kind of agree with you, I guess, on that. So even I feel I, even I feel that way sometimes with the with the people who are younger than I am. So anyway, so it's good to have you with us. Why don't we begin by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, sister, for our, our listeners who maybe don't know who you are. Okay, well, thank you. Um, you know, when you say a little about yourself, it's kind of hard to say a little when you've got 84 years, 85 years of experience. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, I'll start by saying I was born in Louisville, Kentucky in 1935 to a devout Catholic family, and I would have to say my spiritual formation began from day one. I always remember that I loved being uh, in this Catholic family where God was everywhere. God was in all ways, and and so I thank God for that gift of being born in my family. And the spiritual values were further instilled, you know, when I was in Catholic education, elementary, high school, and college, and then Fordham University. So I felt, well, I got the 
icing on the cake then. And then I entered St. Martin Monastery in August of 1963. So I'm almost, uh, I'm 57 years as a Benedictine sister. Hmm. That's wonderful. You must be, maybe you're 10 years old. You were just 10 years old, maybe. <laughs> I was just 10 years old when you entered, so. <laughs> wow. And then, then, just to finish out Rapid City, I was an elementary school teacher at St. Mary's School in Lemon, and uh, finally worked in the diocesan office of religious education. And then when the job ended, I was employed, offered a position at St. Mine Red Arch Abbey in Indiana, to run to manage the adult education program, certified by the U.S. Conference of Bishops in 1992, and served nine years in a Catholic hospital in Kentucky before I came back to Rapid City in 2000. And here I was a chaplain at Rapid City Hospital and Hospice Ministry, ministering to persons of all faiths and officiating at many funeral services in many churches. I remember one day an elderly lady came up and she said, well, what church do you belong to anyway? And I said, I'm Catholic, but pastoral ministry has no boundaries. She was satisfied with that answer. <laughs> wonderful. That's, uh, of course, a great good experience and a lot of, lot of wonderful experience. Uh, Sister, so talk a little bit about uh, your ministry to the dying that you, you were engaged in. Okay, okay. Um, I would say, first of all, I, have, I based my, all my ministry uh, to the dying and to the sick and the dying. It, uh, on the rule of St. Benedict, and I said the, the rule of Benedict in Chapter 1 and chapter 36, chapter 1, the very first line, listen with the ear of your heart. Listening to me is point one, step one in ministry to anyone, especially the sick and the dying. And then chapter 36 says, and this was my main motive, care for the sick must rank above all before all else so they may be truly served as Christ. And that was my answer for, Jesus said, for I was sick and you visited me. And that was the most wonderful goal that I could have in, or in any ministry. Oh, um, that's beautiful. You know, as you're talking, it's making me realize there's probably a lot of listeners who don't really have a good, a good understanding, a good sense of the rule of St. Benedict or the way Benedict lived his life and invited his followers to do the same. So your mm-hmm. your insights are, are uh, really helpful and, and very much appreciated. So um, talk a little bit more about this ministry uh, to those who are preparing to meet the Lord. Um, <clears throat> um, what how did it how did it uh, impact you? And, and what kinds of stories do you have about how ministering to the dying was uh, was a sense of, was a, a source of grace in your life? Well, I saw this ministry that I felt called to as a special gift of God to me to allow me to lead others uh, to Christ. And I always have to say that the primary uh, way to meet this challenge is to always remember that it's the dying person is on a journey, journey to meet the Lord. And it's, we always have to remember it's their journey and they are my guide as we travel together. In other words, I don't go in with a pre-planned agenda. I just follow in their footsteps where they're at at each moment 
And that's my basic rule, is to start with them where they are and not to impose any of my plans or agendas on how they should make this journey. I follow with them and guide. And so I would say that when there's prayer involved, the prayers, the words come, you know, from the person's story as you're listening each moment with the ear of your heart, as Benedict says. And then I also ask them to join with me in their favorite prayers, such as the Our Father, or whatever they choose. And secondly, I included music ministry, if the person wished, which was usually the case, singing their favorite hymns or one that I might choose. And I have to tell this story. There were many, many occasions, and uh, we wouldn't have enough time in this year to even finish the stories, but one of them I'll never forget. I was dealing with an elderly man who was very close to death in the hospital in Kentucky, and he was a, a hill person from the Appalachian area, very simple. And I asked him one day, what is his favorite hymn? And he loved Amazing Grace. So I told him that I would sing that for him. And he was very close to death because he was going in and out of consciousness. And finally, I just, I picked my auto harp up, which I played, sang the song Amazing Grace as he lay there looking unconscious. And finally, he woke up startled, raised up in the bed and said, Did I die and go to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought... He- that was the only time I was ever equated with an angel playing a harp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's great, yeah. You are, I, I, I just, I'll never forget that. That was wonderful. This is uh, Father Mike Malloy. I'm here with Karen Gibis, and we're talking to Sister Susan Pohl, who uh, ministered to those who were dying um, in uh, Kentucky and back here in Rapid City um, for at different times in her life. So um, it's, yeah, she's just shared with us a wonderful story about that experience. Um, obviously, Sister, we're living in unusual times now um, with this, um, the COVID-19, and th- that um, I'm sure has changed the ministry to the dying um, in, you know, in lots of different ways. Are you aware of any of that in your, in your life? Well, yes. Uh, the first thing that really <laughs> was hard for me, uh, because it's so much a part of what I do, is um, naturally the rule that you can visit the nursing homes. And uh, that was really difficult because, uh, you know, after all these years of visiting the, the people and their families, uh, you almost feel like you're a member of their family. And even though I can't deeply understand the people who can't get in to see mom or dad who are dying, I can still understand what part of it is because I feel that I need, I, I need to still be with. And so... One day on May, on May the 3rd, it was Sunday, May the 3rd, I was listening to the homily by the priest um, at St. Meinrad Archabbey Mass. I can tune into that online, and since I went to many summer school sessions there, I know most of the monks, and uh, although that was about 30 years ago and I, many of them have balded and gotten gray, I still recognize them, but the homilist was excellent, and he brought out the part... Uh, about the Good Shepherd Gospel, John, and he didn't. He was stressing that Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd, but then he went on to say, "We 
we have another role because Jesus added to that, I am the gate for the sheep. And that gate ministry stuck with me because it fit how I can still minister as a gate. And so now I spend my time being a gate in every way possible. Emails, letters, phone calls to families. How are they doing? How's your family doing? Even one of the residents in a local nursing home who's 101 years old, clear as a bell, she has a cell phone next to her recliner, and so I can call somebody who's already entered the next century. Hmm. That's wonderful. And, and so that's, that's a way that you've take, this ministry has taken on a new dimension for you. In, and in and, and I, I never cease thinking of, you know, how to open that gate. It gets a little squeaky some days, but <laughs> I can still open it. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. And, and, and it's certainly something that anybody, you know, you, you don't have to be, obviously you do, this is part of, of your, your ministry and your life, but there's a lot of people who can do that same kind of ministry even without, um, you know, being a religious sister, uh, being a nurse, whatever it is, they can reach out to other people and call and connect with emails and letters and phone calls. Um, encouraging people and be walking with people on this journey. And you're so right, because I thought uh, there are people, uh, you know, like you said, at this time when visitors are not allowed, the everyday people still can minister uh, through contact with the nurses that are taking care of them. I was listening to a lot of stories about that and supporting them and uh, in a way... uh, and if they're not in a nursing home or some place where they can't visit, just uh, people can minister without having the title certified chaplain. They can minister by just, as I said, listening. And that listening has a real deep meaning for me because somebody once reminded me that the first part of that word listen is L-I-S-T, which means to lean into and listening with the ear of your heart, you're, you're leaning into the person's life. It, it's so far beyond just, you know, going and saying a few prayers and walking out. But listening, you're leaning in with them. You're walking with them. And family members are in a position to be a much better listener and a traveler with them uh, than I am because they've known them all their life. And, and also... I like the the word to be present in their concerns. Just remembering again, it's their journey, and you walk with them, and you pray with them, and you pray with their families, and you're just part of part of that journey. And you know, it's not always. Uh, uh, I don't know what adjective to use, but. Not everybody is, is going on this journey as peacefully as the ones that I have visited in hospice and hospitals and nursing homes because the experience I had when I worked at the hospital in Kentucky was a lot of work in the emergency room, called in night and day, midnight, whenever, to minister to a family where somebody was involved and dying from a horrible accident at a very young age. I have ministered to families and to the person even dying who was in fear. So that that was a 
hard part of ministry to the dying was the dying that was sudden, unexpected, and the result of a tragedy. And I spent nine years doing that. And uh, you, I, I can remember that as vividly as it just happened last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never forget those experiences. And uh, to, to, to watch the different, the, ch- the children having to say goodbye to their dads or their moms or grandma, uh, that, that has touched me to the core. And it took a lot of listening without being overwhelmed with the sadness. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you're talking, we began by talking about our ages, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking, sister, there's a lot of people um, um, probably listening who are advanced in age, you know, they're, they're not working anymore, they're not, maybe not as able to get out and go as they once did, but what you're proposing or saying is they can still be ministers to other people, even though I myself might be quite elderly and maybe in some ways would like to have somebody come and minister to me, I can reach out to somebody else. I can share the, the good news. I can, I can lend that listening ear, um, those kinds of things. So I mean, this is something that can really touch everybody's lives. This is true. And, and you, know, you brought up a point that I always say a lot, that I, I'm pretty sure that God also uh, teaches one through their ministry. You know, we're not the ones doing all the work. God is doing a work with us that's much greater than anything we can do because I feel that what God is doing, and I can just speak for myself, God, for all of these years of ministry, has been teaching me, hopefully, I'm not a, I'm a slow learner, so it's taking me many years, but he's teaching me, trying to anyway, teach me how to grow old gracefully and how to how to prepare for how I'm going to walk that final journey, too. And as I said, this is a God's, God's gift to me in the way of God, God is, list, is leading me, just like I'm trying to lead others. God is ministering to me in a much, much greater way, and it's taken him. I figure that I'm going to be 85 in August, but... I feel like maybe God is saying, boy, I'm going to have to keep her a while longer because she still hasn't given in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Is there somebody else up there? I keep thinking when I die, somebody I'm going to be saying, is there somebody else up there that I can talk to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what you said about somebody. I was thinking, you know, when we talk about dying, sometimes we have these imaginary ways that we're going to go to heaven and meet all of our moms and dads and those who've gone before us. And I thought, well... I can have another happy thought. Sure, I want to meet them, too, but I thought, what a welcoming party I'm going to have from all the people I ministered to while I was on earth. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's wonderful. Sisters, um, is there, kind of getting toward the end of our time yeah, together, sure. is, is, there any, is there anything else that you would like just, to... Just uh, one final thing. I wanted to say that when people talk about a religious vocation, I can honestly date back that my first feeling, I didn't know the word vocation, but I felt called as early as the age of five. And how it happened was my dad wanted me to see reality, and he took me when I was five years old to the west end of Louisville in an area referred to as the slums. This was a sight that so deeply overwhelmed me that I lay awake that night trying to think, 
how could I how could I help these people? And of course, not having any knowledge of finances, I was trying to think, well, I could build them houses and I could help them that way. And finally, I would say that my first answers to my question of how can I help these people, my first answers to that vocation came when I met my two aunts, my dad's sisters, who were Franciscan nuns, and I said, yes, that was my answer. Hmm. And that was the way I might say I took the first step into ministering through a religious community. That's that's a wonderful story. Good good way to end our our time together, sister, and 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 what an inspiration. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, people can't figure out what they want to do when they're twenty five and thirty years old. And it's wonderful to have someone saying, "At five, I kind of knew what God was asking me to do." So, um, it can it, it comes at any time and in any place, and we just need to be attentive. So. Mm-hmm. Great to have you with us. Great to share with us a little bit about your journey of faith and this ministry that is something we can all do. Um, appreciate the time you're with us, sister. So God bless you and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for asking. You bet. Take care. Um, that was a, a beautiful... Um, I, it was so touching. Yeah, it was It was great to, to hear. And of course, I've known sister for many years. and uh, But uh, just to... You know, a lot of times you can know somebody... And you can spend time with them, but you don't know things like their 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 vocation story, you know, their their journey of faith, or or Father how Mike, they came to understand the Lord. Yes, I just uh, I wasn't sure if you were if I was still connected to you. I just wanted to say, you know, sometime during my early meeting with you, or your early priesthood or ordination time, wasn't your mother or father, someone in your family dying? My stepmother got very sick when okay. I when I was ordained. Yeah. Do you know, I never have forgotten that. I didn't know quite the stepmother part, but I just, I was thinking mother, and I thought, that touched me. That's the first thing I remember about you, is you were losing someone you loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was true, and, and as it turned out, she did not pass away. Oh, um, she we didn't. thought No, we thought she was going to. She was very sick the night it was ordained, but um, yeah, that was a, an interesting and challenging time for me, well, it, so... I, that, those are things that I think all of these were little pointers that God was giving me in that direction. All right. Was I met you, and then this is the first and only thing I remember about those early days. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Well, God. I remembered your wonderful religious personality, too. But. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sister. Um, and God continues to touch us in many different ways, and, and sometimes we don't know how he touches us or touches other people through us. So it's all a, a constant reminder to us. So, Well, we're going to say goodbye once again because we do need to move on, sister. So thanks again for being with us and sharing all these wonderful stories. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. You take care. Okay. Bye. Okay. So we are finished up with that interview, but well, man, that was great. We've got, we've got uh, other ones coming up, so we certainly want people to stay with us. So um, makes me think it would be good if we, um, if we had um, like a, a show where we had just people come on and tell their faith stories. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, just, you know, just line up people and say, tell us, um, so we can listen and understand where you're coming from and, and, and how you came to know the Lord or how the Lord is moving in your life. It would be a great, it's, th- that's at the heart of evangelization. You know, is, is, is sharing is. that kind of stuff. So um, it's very easy. Um, well, coming up next, there's a new podcast discussing faith and politics. You can listen to it right here on Real Presence Radio. 
We'll share with you all the details, so stay with us. Another great hour of Real Presence Radio begins next. Hang on, and we'll see you right back here.